Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. If you have a Bible or a device, I want to encourage you to find Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 22 as we continue to think about, for Pete's sake, what is the Apostle Peter doing this week? Well, here's what we read in verse 22. Immediately after this... Immediately after this. Now, I want to pause there because what is this? We need to think about that, and it's something we need to know and understand because it just brings richness to the text as we continue to sit under the mentorship of the Apostle Peter. What is this? What's happening? Well, if you look at the verses preceding verse 22 you understand that there is quite a bit happening in the life of Jesus and his followers. Right away, what we discover is that John the Baptist, a contemporary of Jesus and a very important biblical individual in the scope of history and also a relative of Jesus, there is news that he has been beheaded during a birthday party for King Herod. He was the ruling authority in that day, and I guess it was quite a party if somebody was being beheaded, but that's just the way things worked then. King Herod really didn't like John the Baptist, and there was a struggle there, and so he ends up being beheaded and brutally killed. Well, John's disciples... They find Jesus knowing that he is a relative and Jesus would want this information about what had happened to John. And so the disciples of John find Jesus and they share the news that John has been killed. And you can read all of that in the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 14. And I would encourage you to do that as we think through being mentored by Peter. A great read. Well, what happens next in the text? Verse 13 tells us, as soon as Jesus heard that news, so as soon as Jesus hears about his relative and how he has been brutally killed, Matthew chapter 14 tells us that Jesus got into a boat and he wanted to go away to an isolated place. He probably wanted to be alone so that he could mourn and pray. So this is all part of immediately after this. John the Baptist has been killed, and Jesus gets in a boat with his followers, and he gets to a remote place, but apparently it wasn't remote enough because some people find Jesus there. Oh, here's Jesus, the one who heals and brings hope and joy, and so... The text tells us that a large crowd began to gather. They wanted to hear from Jesus and they wanted hope and healing from him. Matthew chapter 14 tells us this. As Jesus saw the crowd, right? Keep in mind, he's just trying to get into a quiet place so he can mourn his relative's death. He's probably sad, all of these Emotions are bubbling inside of him, but then a crowd comes. So as soon as he sees the crowd, 
Jesus is moved with compassion. Wow. Doesn't this make us marvel at Jesus all the more? He's just trying to be alone so he can mourn and pray, but people want a piece of him because of the hope and the healing that he provides. And as soon as Jesus saw that great crowd gathering in that isolated place that wasn't so isolated anymore, he is moved with compassion. And here's what happens next. That's all part of this. Jesus begins to heal people and bring great hope into their lives. And as the day wore on a little bit, the disciples of Jesus come to him and say, "Uh, Jesus, we have a bit of a problem here. You're doing a great job with the whole healing thing, but people are getting restless. The crowd is anxious because there's no food. And we don't have much. We have two fish and five loaves of bread, but that's all we really have. It's not enough to feed the thousands of people that are now here listening to you. So we just want you to know about this Jesus. Well, what Jesus says next in Matthew chapter 14, and again, you can read all about this, I think is hysterical. And this is where we perhaps see a bit of the humor of Jesus. He looks at his followers and says, You feed them, and good luck with that. Now, I don't think he said good luck with that. I'm kind of adding that into the text a little bit, but we do know he looked at them and said, I'm kind of busy here helping people and healing people. You feed the crowd. You feed them. I'm a little busy right now. Well, you can imagine that the disciples got together, and they were probably shaking their heads a little bit. You know, Jesus doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. We're here in an isolated place. We have some fish and some bread. There's no Wawa anywhere in sight. And people are a little anxious. We need to do something about this. So they went back to Jesus and said, Jesus, here's the deal. We only have two fish and five loaves of bread. We can't feed anybody. Now, I don't think Jesus was an eye roller. I don't think so, but if he was, this is certainly a time he probably rolled his eyes and said, okay, give me the fish and give me the bread. And he blessed it and performed a miracle and thousands of people ate and there was even food left over. That's the context of Matthew chapter 14. That is the this that is occurring here. And it's really important that we know immediately after this, John the Baptist has been killed in a brutal way. News comes to Jesus. He just wants to be alone, to mourn and to pray. He tries to accomplish that, but the crowd finds him. He's moved with compassion. He begins to heal people. The disciples think that they need some food. They can't do anything about it. Jesus performs a miracle and feeds all kinds of people. So that is the context. I think Jesus is probably emotionally and physically exhausted. As you factor all of that into what we have just read. So keep that in mind. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, this would have been the Sea of Galilee, 
while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. So picture this. Jesus sends the crowd away. He sends the disciples across the lake. He wants to be alone so that he can pray. Verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Oh my goodness. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Not over there, I am here. And then Peter, here's our guy. Here's Simon Peter, and we're sitting under his mentorship for a few weeks. Here's Peter. He called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him, and that's a key word. If you like to highlight and underline, find that word, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. The disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. Matthew chapter 14, quite a bit happening here. The death of John the Baptist, miracles. Jesus sends the disciples across the lake and they run into trouble. Jesus walks across the water. Peter's like, if that's you, I want to be out on the water with you, Jesus. And Jesus bids him to come. Peter walks. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. He begins to sink. Jesus rescues him. And that's kind of the end of our narrative for today. I want to roll out some thinking points as we think about Peter and as we allow him to mentor us for another Sunday. So let's think about this together. Thinking point number one, actually, let me give you a big idea first, and that is spending time with Peter helps us see Jesus as someone to pursue even when it's risky. Spending time with Peter, that's what we're doing, and we'll have some time today. Spending time with Peter helps us see Jesus as someone to pursue, even when it's risky. I would say, especially when it's risky, that Peter helps us to see Jesus, someone worth our pursuit. Okay, thinking point number one. In storms, Jesus wants us to hear, take courage, I am here. I believe that's what Jesus wants us to hear, and that's what we learn from Matthew chapter 14 and time with Peter. In storms, we need to hear from Jesus, take courage, take courage, whatever that storm may be, because I am here. By the way, I think it's kind of interesting. We're either 
in a storm currently with whatever may be occurring in life, something that's bothering us, we're either in one or coming out of one, perhaps, and maybe you feel good about that, like, I'm finally on the other side. That's great. Or maybe we're about to step into one and we're aware of that, or maybe not. But that tends to be how storms work. We're either about to step into one, we're either in one, or we're stepping out of one. Today is for all of us. No matter what kind of storm may be raging around us or about to come, or even if we're stepping out of one, today is for us, and there's much that we can learn from the example of Peter. In storms, whatever that looks like, I think Jesus wants us to hear, take courage, I am here. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. This phrase is found over 140 times in Scripture. It's like God wants us to know, whatever you may experience, take courage. Do not fear. I am here. So whatever you may be walking through right now, whatever storm exists, whether it's a job storm or a family storm or maybe sickness has invaded or maybe you're dealing with the death or the loss of a loved one or maybe just the storms of life are brewing around you. I think from Peter, we know even in the storm when we may be sinking and overwhelmed, Jesus is there and he wants us to hear, take courage. Take courage, I am here. Do not fear and do not be afraid, no matter what's happening around you. And this is what we observe from Peter's life. Thinking point number two, in storms, it is better to be in the thick of it, walking with and toward Jesus. And here's why. It's better to be in the thick of it, walking with and toward Jesus. It's because this is where faith grows. This is where our faith grows. And this is where we really deepen our friendship with Jesus. I think sometimes we assume our faith will grow if we just try harder. Right? And I think this way sometimes. I want to grow my friendship with God. I'm ready to take it to a new level. So I'll just try harder at a lot of stuff. And certainly that can help a little bit. But I don't think our faith ultimately grows by trying harder. I think our faith grows when we get out of the boat and we take spiritual risks with Jesus and we walk with and toward him wherever he may be. I think our faith grows when we leave the safety and security of what the boat represents and we get out on the water with Jesus as frightening as that may be. But the boat... The boat feels really good, doesn't it? Of course it does. It's safe. And there's comfort in the boat, especially when there's a lot of sloshing going around outside the boat. And when the wind and waves are there, there is great safety in the boat. We love the boat, and and I think we prefer to stay there. But here's the deal. Our faith doesn't necessarily grow in the boat. I believe it grows when we step out of the boat and we walk with and toward Jesus out on the water, even when it doesn't always make sense. And even when we can't figure out how it's going to come together, it's still better to be with Jesus on the waves. So think about this, this inner circle here, 
represents the boat of security and our spiritual comfort zone. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but this is where we may be today. If we want to see faith get really exciting, if we want to move towards big faith, then ultimately we have to step out of the boat and into a new circle of spiritual impact and influence. And again, I think the only way we do that is by risking spiritually, getting out of the boat and walking with and toward Jesus. And then once we do that and have this enlarged spiritual comfort zone, well, once again, it's time to step out of that circle and into a new one and risk once again with Jesus. And then when we get there and comfortable, boy, it's time to risk once again, like what the apostle Peter did, to get out of the boat and to walk with and toward Jesus so that our faith is enlarged and our spiritual comfort zone is much bigger and our spiritual influence expands as well. The challenge with this is that the boat is safe, (laughs) unfortunately, and we like that. We love that because there is comfort there and we tend to manage away risk. We always do that. I would also say this. If we're in the boat, guess what? The boat's kind of boring. It is. And sometimes we have to risk a little bit and hear this. I think it's better to risk with Jesus than to attempt being safe without him, which really isn't safe at all. So big faith is where we want to move. And again, trying harder doesn't necessarily do it. I think there comes a point in time where we have to say, what is it that I can only attempt and do if Jesus comes through for me? Because if I can do it in my own strength and with my own ability, that's probably not faith at all. That's just my own skill set. There's nothing wrong with that. But what do I need Jesus to show up and do for me that I can't do on my own? That's risking spiritually. That grows our faith. That isn't boring at all. I would posit to you that if you feel bored in your friendship with Jesus, then risk a little bit. Step out of the boat and walk with and toward Jesus. Okay, I think here's the question. If the boat is safe and boring sometimes and it represents a smaller spiritual comfort zone, I think we have to ask this question. What's your boat? Something for all of us to think about today. What's your boat? I think it may be whatever represents safety and security for you. It could be whatever you are tempted to put your trust in when life gets scary. Like, What's your default for responding to the swirlings around you? Maybe that's your boat. And maybe Jesus is asking you to leave that behind and get out and walk with and toward him. Maybe your boat is whatever you don't want to give up to join Jesus on the waves. I think your fear will tell you what your boat is. Author John Ortberg says it this way, in what area of life are you shrinking back from fully and courageously trusting God? Fear will tell you what your boat is. Leaving it may be the hardest thing you ever do, 
But if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And this is what Peter is encouraging us to do. Get out of the boat, risk a little, because that's where Jesus is. And if we want to walk with him and toward him, we have to leave safety and security sometimes. And this is where big faith begins to grow. Here's something else to keep in mind. Thinking point number three, in storms, continually cry out to Jesus because he can reach out and secure you. Keep crying out to Jesus. Listen, some of you may be here and perhaps you would say, I've been out on the water for a really long time walking with Jesus. And I'm so far out on the water, I can't even find a boat and there is no shoreline anywhere. And I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I just want Jesus to come through for me. Seems like he's doing that for other people, but when is he gonna show up for me? And when do I get that safety and security? If that's how you are feeling, if you sense you've been out on the water for a long time and you're tired of bobbing and reaching and crying, then I just wanna encourage you, don't stop crying out for Jesus because he can secure you, he can reach you. I think this is something really important to keep in mind. And so I I want everybody to hear this. So all, all eyes up here for just a moment. Trusting in Jesus, following Jesus, pursuing Jesus does not mean that we will have a perfect life free from pain. Okay? We need to know that. Because I think many people come to Christ and their faith grows and they think everybody, everything should be perfect and, and everybody will treat me in the right kind of way. You just need to know following Jesus doesn't mean that life will be perfect and free from pain. Think about this for a moment. Who told the disciples to get in the boat and row across the lake? Jesus told them to do that. Knowing full well a storm was coming, But that created a beautiful moment for Jesus to get close to his followers and rescue them. And so if you have been out on the water for a long time, you keep crying out for Jesus because I think his beautiful presence will come along at the right time in his perfect way and he'll rescue you. He's the only one who can do it. So keep crying out to him. All right, one more thinking point. And that is, before storms and in storms and after storms, don't stop worshiping. And this is the word that we see in verse 33. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. And that word worship is so dynamic. In the construction of the sentence, it has the idea of kneeling down before someone as an act of reverence. And I believe that's what the disciples were doing. It wasn't like, oh, gee, thank you for rescuing us. That was great. Let's get to the shore. I think there was a really sacred, holy moment there where in the boat, they're getting very low because you, you are Mr. Incredible. You are amazing. You are the son of God. And there's this act of bowing in reverence before him, and I would just share with you before the storm ever comes, if you're feeling good about life, that's wonderful. Before the storm comes, worship, respond to the greatness of God, bow in an act of reverence to him. 
If you are in a storm, keep bowing in reverence to him. Often we kind of bail on that. Let's just keep responding to God, even when it doesn't feel right. After the storm, or often it's a little easier to do this, still bow in reverence and respond to the greatness of God. This is what we discover from Peter and friends. From our mentoring session with Peter, let me share three takeaways. Number one, I want you to identify your boat. Let's all do that at some point today. And your fear will tell you what your boat may be. What is it that's keeping you from taking that risk and enlarging your spiritual comfort zone and developing big faith? What is that thing? Just identify your boat and know what that is. Takeaway number two, keep eyes on Jesus. One of the unique things about this story is that when Peter had his eyes on Christ, he's doing the miraculous. He's walking on water. And boy, he has a story to share forever. And maybe his friends made fun of him because he sunk, but he was the only one who got out and tried. And so he has this amazing story of walking on the water with and toward Jesus. And when his eyes were on Christ, he's walking, he's doing the impossible, he's risking and his faith is growing when he took his eyes off of Christ, which is normal and natural when storms brew around us. We begin to look at all of the scary stuff and how am I gonna wade through this and what does it mean and how can I survive? But when we put our eyes on the storm, it's when we get into a little bit of trouble, just like Peter. And so what we know from his life, when his eyes were on Jesus, things were really moving for him. When he took his eyes off of Christ, and this isn't the only time that it happens, when Peter took his eyes off of Christ, he got into a lot of trouble. And it's the same for us. So eyes on Jesus, okay? Let's do that. Eyes on Jesus, All week long, eyes on Jesus. Let's just commit to that. And then number three, take a step of faith. As our eyes are on Jesus, what is he planting into our heart to attempt? What is he calling for us to do that we can only accomplish with him? Then let's take that step of faith and know this. Here's what author Adam Hamilton says. Walking out in faith doesn't mean we know in advance how everything will work out. Well, that's disappointing, isn't it? Because I want to know how everything's going to work out, especially if I'm going to risk. And this is how we manage risk, right? I want to know if I take that step, what does it look like? And will I be okay? And will I get what I hope for in the process? But Hamilton is telling us when we take this step of faith, it's, We don't always know how it's going to work out. That's just faith. It means we come to trust enough to punch the yes button in spite of our fears. So Peter helps us to understand there's a storm and people don't walk on water. That's not a normal thing, but yet Jesus is there. So maybe it will work. I don't know, Jesus, if it's you, call me. And Jesus calls him and he steps over the boat and immediately his faith is enlarged. 
And I think God may be calling some of us to punch the yes button in that kind of way. And maybe that yes button looks like serving on a Saturday love day. And God's kind of planting that in your heart. And you feel like that's a little risky. I'm not so sure. Maybe that's the yes button God wants you to push. Or maybe it's inviting a friend to fill the chair next to you. Or maybe it's asking to pray for a family member or a friend who's walking through a difficult time. But you know they're not the praying type. But yet, maybe God wants you to risk. And maybe this is how you enlarge your faith a little bit by offering to pray for them and their storm. Maybe God is asking you to hit the yes button on a compassion trip. Or maybe God is asking you to hit the yes button on serving the communities around us. Maybe God is asking you to hit the yes button in fill in the blank in some kind of way. However, God may be stirring in your heart. Maybe this is the risk that you can only accomplish with Christ. Go for it. Take that step of faith and expand your zone of influence. Back to the big idea. Spending time with Peter helps us to see Jesus as someone worth following, even when it's risky. And I would say, especially when it's risky. Let's attempt some great things throughout the week as we leave the safety of the boat. It feels good. It sure does. But let's listen to these stirrings and let's listen to these promptings and say, okay, God, I'm ready to go with and toward Jesus. I will risk, enlarge my faith. And when we sink and fail, when we don't get it right, which will happen, Jesus says, take courage. Take courage, I am here, and I can secure you. I have a closing benediction, and I'd like to invite you to pray this with me as our closing thought in terms of stepping out of the boat. Here it is, join me. Lord, help me be the disciple you want me to be. Help me answer your call to be brave and to climb out of the boat, to leave my comfort zone, to walk with you. When I am beset by storms and sinking, take my hand and rescue me. Climb into my boat and calm the wind and the waves. In your holy name, amen. Father, this is our prayer. And this is what we offer up to you. Would you help each and every one of us in our own unique ways to be bold and brave like Peter? Seems like at times he's a bit reckless. But you used all of that to accomplish good and to build his faith. And I believe you can do the same for us. God, I'm convinced Far too many Christ followers, including myself, we stay in the boat. We're too cautious. We're safe. We're soft. Because that's comfortable. So God, stir in all of us a little bit to say, what does it look like to leave that behind and to step into the territory of exciting faith and big faith 
and to get out of the boat and to walk with and toward you because it's a whole lot better to be at risk with Jesus than to attempt to be safe without him. So help us all to think about that this week. And however you stir and however you prompt us, help us to be so willing to listen and to be ready to do whatever it is that you plant on our hearts. Thank you for Simon Peter. We're spending time with him. Time with him is helping us understand you and what you want for us. So help us to keep leaning into this period of time in our lives as we listen and watch and observe the actions and activity of Peter. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. What is God stirring in your heart? What is he saying to you? Whatever that may be, don't dismiss that. Don't push that away quite yet. Just sit in that for a few moments and talk to God about what he may be asking of you or prompting you to do. Just take a moment and talk to God. God, we thank you for today and for this time. Stir in our hearts to get out of the boat, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.